Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So we're starting this year a new series, I'm going to call it Faith and Hope. And it's probably going to take really a couple of months to, um, to get through it because there's just so much to pull out. We even have some really great graphics with uh, Faith and Hope. Look at there. Because uh, I, I the reason I said that is because I was trying to remember the subtitle, but I, know it now. I remember now because I can read. Living a Lifestyle of Wisdom and Revelation. So Faith and Hope. Living a lifestyle of wisdom and revelation. Because, you know, as supernatural people, as people who follow and believe and obey a God that we can't see, right, it's difficult sometimes to even keep ourselves on track and keep ourselves built up enough to where we hope in that which we can't see. You know, I think oftentimes we're busy... And in Christianity, a, a, a large section of Christianity is really good at... Sorry, she's still laughing at me. But Christianity is... <laughs> I'm sorry. A, a, a big section of Christianity is really focused on go into Scripture, pull out character, integrity, you know, relational, financial principles, and live those principles. So in other words, you know... Uh, about how to treat your kids and how to treat your spouse, how to handle your finances and how to be a citizen within your nation and all those kinds of things, right? And, so, and we should do that. We should go to Scripture. Like if you're, if you're dealing with an area of life and it's just difficult for you, relationships, finances, and we do this kind of thing all the time, but if there's just a particular area of life that you continue to struggle with, go to the Word, find out what the Word says about it, and first off, just read the passages related to that topic Make sure that in your mind you agree and you, you do any mind changing, which is really what repentance is. You change your mind and you determine, I will believe what God has revealed in his word about this topic and this subject. I'm going to go to scripture, his revealed written word, and get my mind in alignment with how he sees this topic. I'm telling you, just doing that exercise will change your life in a lot of ways. If you just find out, okay, what does Scripture say about relationships? What does it say about finances? What does it say about the future? There's a, and I always recommend this, this particular website, openbible.info, openbible.info. And it's just a topical search tool, but I just like the way that that one is laid out. You can go to any topical search tool and, uh, and do this, but make that a practice. I'm telling you, make it a discipline, maybe even monthly. Say, you know what, this month I'm going to just focus on what Scripture says about this and then what it says about this. And make sure that you actually know how God thinks about that thing, that you get your heart and your mind in agreement with it, and then you actually put forth effort to live it out. And it's not that you get qualified or get righteousness or get more holy or any of that kind of stuff by putting forth the effort to live out those character traits. I mean, you know, like if you're a jerk, you need to put forth some effort, quit being a jerk. <laughs> you know, if you're a liar, you need to put some effort into not being a liar. You know what I'm saying? Like practical. But then you slide into, okay, that's the practical, that's A plus B equals C. 
But then we enter into the quantum realm of faith in the supernatural and the spiritual dimension and the fact that the kingdom of God is inside of us and the fact that we have all these amazing promises and we have this purpose given to us from a God that we can't see, but we're somehow uniquely, intimately joined to in our hearts and he leads us from our hearts. And that's the realm of faith that I kind of want to dig into for the next couple of months, really. And, and there's just a lot to be said about that. And look at what's our part, what's God's part, what do I have the legal right to believe for from what Jesus paid for for me, what does God want from me, and what does he want for me? Because that's really kind of a big theme that I feel like is going to be, we're going to touch back on this idea of God has things that he wants for you and that he wants from you, and he's got purposes for you, but he's got promises for you. So Christianity, you know, some versions of Christianity, it's all about, let me just make sure that it's the health and wealth and that I get everything that I need, and it's all about getting me, me getting blessed. And that's part of it. God wants you blessed, radically, dramatically blessed, so that you can be a blessing. It's the model, it's the whole purpose that he called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees, worshiping those pagan ancient gods, demon gods, really, and made a promise to him, I'm going to bless you so dramatically, and your offspring will be a nation of priests on this planet that will be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And I'm going to so bless you beyond your capacity to do this that nations will take notice. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, you personally are going to go disciple a nation. I'm just talking nations one by one as, as I, just, I just have this, you know, idea that if each believer took the responsibility to influence just the world around them, we'd make a huge difference. Not just through living uh, according to the character and integrity of Scripture, but also living out that model of faith and hope and what faith really is. And not faith in something that you dream up. Which, by the way, when we're talking about promises and purposes... There's also dreams and goals and interests and hobbies. It's just stuff that you like, you know? So, like, if you have a, I mean, if you have a dream to play professional sports or build a business or, you know, visit every country in the world or whatever, go for those kinds of things. God wants you to enjoy this planet. But in that, all along the way, also think about, okay, what are, what are the purposes of God in this situation that I can weave into this so that he can use this opportunity. So, so that it's more of a collaboration, that you're living with God. You're expressing creatively, artistically, your heart in life, but you're also letting him move and flow through you. Does that, does that make sense? You know, it's like this dance I see with God. You don't give up every, all your dreams. You invite him into your dreams. You, you live them out together. And in that, I think there's purpose. There's purpose that he'll show you. But there's always, and this was, I think I didn't make it clear, but this is the point that I think we're going to continue to go back to during this series, is that there's always promises with the purpose that God calls you to. There's always promises with the purpose that God calls you to. And we're going to look at today um, in... Hebrews chapter 11, they call it the roll call of faith. In fact, we have a model of one of our great fathers of faith right here. Mr. 
Let's go, dogs, I'm telling you. <laughs> That's Mr. Stetson Bennett, if you don't know. He is the quarterback of the Georgia Bulldogs. Should have put Kirby Smart up there because he's a, I'm telling you, he has a $50 million timeout call right there. If you, how many of you watch the game? Whew. All right, let me get back on track here. I'm, I'm excited. My, my wife and I met at Georgia. I've been a Georgia fan my whole life. You know, it's not like all-consuming, but it just, it's just fun. You know, it's just fun when your team wins. But anyway, and I'm not trying to say that God's, like, determining the outcomes of football games. I just don't, I don't think it's that deep. But, uh, but, but, uh, but, uh, but you know, I did appreciate um, the Ohio State quarterback when they – because, I mean, it was brutal. To lose that way was demoralizing and brutal. And to his credit, what's his name, C.J. Stroud. Stroud. Man, you guys are pretty good. That was, I'm impressed how many of y'all answered that. The first thing he said was, well, I just want to give all glory and honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So good for that guy. Amen. Um, I, it, it touches me. I love to see that. And, and, and which, incidentally, I distract myself. I'm going to distract I me. Mean, during all this football stuff, there was the reminder of Tim Tebow, who was the Florida quarterback, who always wore the, the eye black, and he always wore Philippians 4.13. And, and I think it was his final game, uh, he put John 3.16. Are you guys familiar with these stats? Y'all help me out with these stats, because it's so interesting. And, and to say God is not involved in that, you know, I don't, I don't believe God's controlling every little thing, but the way this came out, it's like he was so yielded to God, maybe, that it just... Anyway, but so he put John 3.16 on his face. Like 90 million-something people searched John 3.16 on the Internet that day. Wow. 90 million people. What? How many people you think got saved in that? I mean, really, I think it's pretty easy to get saved once you're exposed to the gospel. But anyway, so then three years later, when he got a chance to play in the NFL... He won a game, and what y'all help me out with the stats. He threw for 316 yards, or they, maybe they rushed for 316 yards. The stats on the uh, viewership of the game was like 3.16. There was something, another stat within the game that was like 31.6, and there was like five different points of uh, all, and he had no clue. And like I think his agent or somebody like that once all the stats started coming out, came back, and it, it was just like, that's interesting to me. I don't know how all that works out, but it's like, I, I, that, that's the thing that I'm counting on, is that I don't have to know what step to take. I just have to know that I'm taking my step, collaborating with God, always hopeful, always expectant that He's right there with me, and as I acknowledge Him, He'll direct my paths. Just acknowledge God. Quit waking up in the morning and praying and trying to get all this information from God that you think that you lack. Don't, you know, prayer should not be from a place of lack. Your faith walk with God shouldn't be motivated from lack. I don't know this. I don't have this. This person needs this. The world is this. And it's lack-motivated. But yet we are complete in Christ. All his promises are yes and amen. The fullness of the Godhead bodily is Christ, and he dwells in us. We have the mind of Christ. 
All his promises are yes and amen. He promised that he would never leave us and never forsake us. He would show us things to come. He would remind us of things that he said. He would tell us about things in the future. And that's the kind of stuff that I want to talk about in, in this faith realm in the unseen, but I think is so it's more real and more consistent if we shape our minds with an f- expectation of faith and hope in the unseen, not just for things, not just for specific outcomes, but as a way of life. You with me? Y'all want to dig into that some? Amen. So I just I have this, and this is really it's just Paul's prayer here. This is, uh, and if you want to follow me along, Hans, this is going to be Ephesians 1. And we'll just read this. To, uh, we don't have to read it out loud, but I just want to read through this prayer. It's Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. It's kind of long, but it really kind of sets, you know, the, the mindset of how I want to pray, how I want to pray for you, how you guys should pray for this church, pray for your friends and family and your relatives and whatever it is that you're praying for. You know, I love the prayers of Paul because he always models he's praying in a way that is consistent with who you are in Christ. He's not praying from a place of lack for you. He's not praying from a place of, you know, confused about God. He's praying and speaking clearly the will of God, but he's also asking God to be involved, even though God is already involved. It's this paradox, right? It's like, well, if if I'm complete, God's already done here. All the promises are yes and amen. Is God just sitting back doing nothing? No, God's active and alive and involved, but he's given us dominion over this planet. And so it's up to us to follow. If you're sitting back thinking, well, you know, if God wants me to do something, then, then then the right door will open. Well, how do you know if you're not moving? If you're not walking through doors, you know, we, we like want, want to sit back and wait for signs and think that he's just manipulating and controlling everything and that there is a section of Christianity that believes that everything is already pre-planned and everything that happens passes through his hand and nothing happens to you that God didn't approve. And it's like, really? God's pretty messed up if he's approving everything that's happening on this planet right now. He gave it to us. We messed it up. He's trying to help us bring it back to a place of restoration, which ultimately one day he will sovereignly make that decision to send Jesus back to, for restoration. But, that, but that's the plan, restoration, not destruction, restoration. All things in heaven and earth coming together in Christ. So here's the prayer. For this reason, and, and the reason was that basically they were living their faith out toward Christ, essentially, right? It's pretty simple. For this reason, for the fact that you believe in Jesus, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, and this right here, this is a lifestyle I want to adopt, the expectation of this, living in this, that our Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Just stay on that for just a minute. So this is a paradox here. You've got wisdom, which is super practical. It's what we talked about. What does Scripture say about how to handle your finances? You know, how to treat your spouse, how to treat your children, whatever else, you know. The practical things that you look at and says, okay, this is what Scripture says about this. I'm going to live in that way. I'm going to make decisions in agreement with that. So wisdom which is the practical application of knowledge 
and then revelation, which is God speaking to you and revealing things to you that you wouldn't know, but he knows. And really, revelation is not when God is withholding something from you and then decides to give you something that he's been withholding from you. Revelation, like, so like a revelation would be, if I'm looking over there and that speaker's blocking the way and I move around like this, and I'm like, oh, that side was just revealed and now I can see that. That's revelation. You have a perspective shift, you have a vantage point change, and then you can see differently. You see more of what was already there. That's what we're trying to do is have a revelation of Jesus. See more of him, more of what he wants, more of him in us, and us being conformed more and more into that image. And you do that by living out practical wisdom. You just find out what Scripture says and you do it. And living uprightly, it, it, change, it, it, it tunes your mind and your heart to, to, to the way God thinks so that you'll be receptive to the revelation. And revelation, it's different for everybody. You know, for one person, it's uh, you, you may get up and pray in the morning and journal, and you feel like God is actually speaking to you, and you're writing down, like, words that you feel like God said this to me. And unfortunately, I think, in the kind of more charismatic gift Christian world, that's kind of been the model of expectation. For me, it's actually more like word pictures. Like, it, like if I get a, like a, like a mental parable or, or like, a, uh, like, a, like an image, almost like a meme, you know, like a, like a picture that communicates a lot of information, and it's like that, that communicates to me beyond words, and it, it brings a sense of understanding, you know, more visual, even though I'm very, you know, linear also. But what I'm saying is don't feel like that you living a lifestyle of receiving revelation from God is you get a bunch of messages like these people that say, well, God told me or God said all the time. Uh, and I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but it's like, it's more impressions for me. It, and, and really, when I, for me, what revelation looks like is there's a scripture that will kind of rise up that relates to whatever I'm praying about that I'll either see in a different way or I'll see what action to take anchored in the truth of that scripture. So in other words, the word comes alive in that moment, which is why you got to have the word of God in your heart. Get in your Bible, I'm telling you. It's, it's day one, 2023, January 1. Find some good Bible app, you know. There's, there's really good ones. There's, there's one that I think you read through the New Testament in 90 days. Of course, there's the ones where you go through the entire Bible throughout the year. Just something. You know, find something that works for you where there's some type of discipline. If you skip a day, if you miss a day, don't beat yourself up. God's not sitting there checking boxes of you, you know, like they do on the Bible apps where you're, what do you call it? Bible reading plan, whatever. God's not doing that. He's not keeping tabs. He's just interested in you being more in alignment with what he wants to do through you. Amen. That's why you get in Scripture. That's why you read it. That's why you know it. You learn it so that he's got something to work with. I always use this illustration, but I, I wrestled for lots of years, and we would do 100 mat drills and 100 takedown drills, and then we'd wrestle for an hour. That was back in the days when you'd cut weight and all that stuff. And, but when you're out there on the mat, 
It's just muscle memory. You're not thinking about what the name of the move is. You're not thinking about anything. It just comes out, right? That's what I want the Scripture to be for me. I just want the Scripture to rise up and feed me and blossom and be fruit for me in the face of whatever it is that I'm dealing with in that moment. But if we're riddled with sin and guilt and shame and broken relationships and live in a way that we know is not the right way to live, it's not that God gets disappointed and then withholds stuff from you. It's that your heart can't hear him. Your heart becomes hardened because that's where you hear him from is inwardly. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about in this series as it unfolds. And this, one, th this first message, you're kind of getting the fire hydrant. There's a lot of stuff I'm going to throw out, but, but we'll drill down into some specifics and hopefully it's practical. So we were on uh, 17. So wisdom and revelation, but in the knowledge of him, is what brings it all together. Because I want to I live a lifestyle of faith. I want to live a life where I'm actually expecting miracles to happen as much as I expect the sun to come up tomorrow. Where the favor of God births itself into my financial situation as consistently as the law of gravity. Which is another thing that we're going to talk about in this series is the kingdom laws. Not trying to manipulate God according to some law, but, but, but like this realm operates according to the laws of physics, right? We have the standard model of physics. You have uh, electromagnetic energy spectrum. You've got uh, gravity, strong, weak nuclear force. You've got all the bits that make up this realm. The spiritual realm has that as well. There are consistent laws. So like the law of gravity, there's the law of love or the law of liberty in... in um, the, the law of sowing and reaping in, this, in that spiritual dimension, right? I want to talk about all that kind of stuff. Not to try to manipulate God, but it's like if I live ignorant of gravity, I can either get hurt or not use it to my advantage, like leverage or something like that. If you've got something heavy to move and you, don't, you, know, you use gravity against itself for leverage, you can work with these laws, right? Or flight. We can fly an airplane, supersede gravity with the law of lift. The, there are laws in the kingdom that I think we can come into harmony with and intentionally live in congruence with, not to force something to happen, but to experience the fruit of that dimension and that lifestyle. Are you with me? And so that's where it gets into, I think people have tried to over-explain how that kingdom works. And, and how to make those laws work. I don't know that we can do that. If you know, tell me. For me, it's more about being aware of them and making sure that we're living and thinking and making decisions consistently with them. And for me, the big picture in this series is if we want to experience the kingdom promises that Jesus died for for us to experience. So if you want to experience the promises that God has for you, that Jesus paid for, Legally yours right now to choose an experience. And you want to live out those kingdom purposes that God has in your life. To me, it's all about faith. We walk not by faith, or not by sight, but by faith, right? And walking by faith is not, I lack information, but I'm just going to do this stuff even though I don't understand. There's an there's a, there's a answer for that. So let me finish this prayer. Wisdom, very practically, but also revelation, expecting the impossible. All things are possible to those who believe, but in the knowledge of him. So always making sure that it's consistent with what Christ revealed, right? 
So any revelation that you come up with will be anchored into what, who Christ is, who you are in Him, and what He revealed. Any wisdom and application that you apply, so like the law, the Old Testament, uh, we don't throw that away. There's still great value. It's just it's not being applied to you as your standard of acceptance with God any longer. But there's still great wisdom to live. You should still live that way, right? Why? Because it anchors you then into Jesus. And then when you read those 613 laws in the Old Covenant, and you think, well, there's no way I can keep that, then you, in the knowledge of Him, the knowledge of Him brings... So if you're ever reading something in the Old Testament or in the Old Covenant, and it's confusing, and you're thinking, well, the church should still do this today. It's like, okay, well, does it skip over the knowledge of Him and still to try to apply this law, or is everything anchored back into the knowledge of Him? Are you with me? All right, I know I'm saying a lot, going fast, and we're going to break all this stuff out. But I, the reason I want to camp out in this idea for a while is because, you know, I don't, I don't want it to just be a message, and you're like, oh, yeah, that was really good, then we leave, and you don't think about it. I want us to make a commitment. I'm going to live a lifestyle of faith. And you can just make that decision. I'm going to live a lifestyle of faith. And you may not know exactly what that looks like right now, but we'll continue to talk about it, unfold it, you know, hopefully in our small groups, which we're, we don't talk a lot about our small groups because the way that we do them is we kind of form them around people that have relationships and connections. And, and, and so we're trying to uh, bring more uh, opportunity for home groups, small group settings. If you're not in one, let me just say this clearly, and if you're watching online, if you're listening or watching after this, because there's a lot of people out today, uh, if, you're, if you would like to be in a group and you're currently not in a group, we don't have a list of them published, but we have several that are actually active. I'm going to point you to Adam back there. Go see Adam and say, I would like to be in a small group. And we're again, there's other things I, I won't talk about yet, but we want to make sure that if you want one, that there's one available for you. All right, so let me finish this prayer. So verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That's what I want. So here's, some, here's like homework assignment number one. Go and read this passage, this selection here again, and read through it slowly, and just give your heart to the Lord to invite Him to operate in your life according to these things that Paul's praying. I want the eyes of my heart. And then get visual with it. You know, don't get weird with it, but get visual with it. In the heart, the inner, the inner part of me, I want to see him clearly with that. So I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory and the inheritance in the saints, and what is the boundless greatness of his power toward us who believe. I want that. So, all right, so I want to inject faith into that and expectation. I want to inject hope into that. I'm going to define these words here in just a minute. But it's like, um, wait, did you go, go back to the previous one? I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. Where the, I got lost here. Verse 19. Is that what you had? Okay, sorry. Is 19 missing? There we go. And what is, the, what is the surpassing greatness? All right, so this is what I'm thinking. His power toward us 
Who believe? Do you believe? Raise your hand and wave at me if you believe. You believe in Jesus? Yeah. So there's a power coming to you from him. I mean, honestly, you could just sit and think about that for a few minutes. There's a power coming from God to me. What's it doing? What's that power doing? How can I live in a consistent way where that power actually affects me? Right? How can I come into harmony with where that power from God accomplishes whatever purpose it is that he wants in that? Whatever that power is coming to me. And, you know, we just finished a series where we talked about God's love for us is shed abroad in our hearts. Personally, I think God's love, so he is love. Like if you could put God under a microscope and break down the parts of him, he's love. Like that's what he is, love. Love, light, justice, it's what he is. And so then he emanates that towards you. Personally, I think the love of God or God, love, extends and radiates out of heaven into your heart just like gravity has an effect in this earth. And it's, it's, there's an effect to it. There's a tangibility. So God's love is permeating you from the inside, doing things. And what it tells us that it's doing is it's bringing wholeness to our mind, bringing healing to our hearts, and even healing to our physical bodies bringing about restoration, tending toward life. This natural world is entropic. Entropy is at play. Everything is trending toward chaos. Everything is trending toward death. But in the spiritual dimension, everything is trending toward life, or it's already perfected life. To have faith, the kingdom of God is in you. All his promises are yes and amen. Jesus went about doing all these things. I mean, he did these amazing things just to show us who God is because that's what God wants. God doesn't want sick people sick. If he did, Jesus wouldn't have gone around healing people because he's not a respecter of persons. If he did it for one, he wants it for everybody. Amen? Amen? I want to live a lifestyle where I'm expecting the character and the nature of God revealed in Christ to be manifest in every situation, no matter what. I don't want to make excuses for unanswered prayer, unanswered in quotes. I don't want to make excuses for we go for a miracle and it doesn't happen. Because God wants it, Jesus paid for it. It's, our, it's on our end, but let's keep believing. I don't want to try and figure out well, why this person... Forget all that. Who is he? He's a healer. That's faith. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to get into the carnal thinking of... Why, when, where, how. It's just, no, this is who God is. That's what I'm going to expect in every situation in my life, whatever that might be. Amen? Amen. Um, verse 19, and what is the boundless greatness of his love toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. We'll just go ahead and read through the rest of these which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in heavenly places, far above all, all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. God gave Jesus to us, which is his body. We are his body. 
the fullness of him. So he gave us the fullness of him who fills all in all. So what we have is the fullness, everything that God has to give, he gave to the church, which is Christ, who is the fullness of God, who fills all in all. God doesn't have anything else to give you, but you do need revelation to see what he's already given you in Christ. Amen? Amen. So, Hebrews 11, this is the last passage, but I'm going to unpack this a little bit here. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 1. And I, I would recommend this. Maybe this is homework assignment number two. Um, go to, I like BibleHub.com when I'm doing biblical comparisons, like, like a translation comparisons, because it's got a bunch of them in there. And, and go through, just pull up Hebrews 11.1 1, and just read through all the different versions of Hebrews 11.1 1, and just see all the different words that it, that it says for. So, so this is um, New King James. And most of us are familiar with this. Now, faith, faith is the substance. And, and again, I, and I say this, but this is just how I read Scripture. And, I, and, I, and I, it may not work for you. Maybe it helps you. Go into this and read it slowly. Look at every word and let every word sit. That's where revelation comes from. I mean, you might think, I'm going to read five chapters of Scripture today. And you read three passages and then you're sitting there with a journal full of revelation. That's okay. Don't judge yourself for not finishing the five chapters. It's okay. Listen, it's okay that you heard from God. It's okay if inter God interrupts your Bible reading. Do you read the Bible? That was really quiet. I was like, just say, do you read the Bible? Oh, okay. So we're good. Great. All right. So now, so now, say now. Faith is the substance, say substance, of things hoped for, say hoped. The evidence, say evidence, of things not seen. What? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence, the proof. So like when you go and you read through, actually... I don't have it in my notes, but I'm just going to pull it up because it's, I think it makes the point. So, NIV. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance. So, faith is assurance about what we do not see. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. This is New Living Translation. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we can't see. Evidence. There is evidence of stuff that you can't see. There is evidence of things that you can't see. What is that evidence? It's faith. How is faith proof of God? Well, he gets down later on in the, in the, uh, the chapter there after he goes through, it's kind of, kind of the roll call of faith in Hebrews 11 where he talks about all these different people. And we're going to look at each one of them, maybe not every one of them, but look at their stories because when you look at the stories of the people in Hebrews 11.1, 1, which it's, you know, it's Enoch and Moses and uh, Noah and Abraham and Sarah and, and all the patriarchs and all the stories that we have in the Old Testament, it's interesting because it's not that they were considered faithful because they were so obedient. They were considered faithful 
Now get this, get this. Because this is the kind of faithful that I want to be. They were considered faithful because they believed what God promised them would come to pass. Right? So in other words, they didn't just make up something that they wanted to believe and then held on to it. They didn't just obey in their performance and then God said, wow, you're really faithful. God moved toward them first, invited them into a purpose. They believed he would continue to stick with them and lead them and bring it to pass. That is what considered them to be faithful, which is where the purpose part comes from. And in every situation that you look with these patriarchs, the purpose that he called them into, there was promise with it. Every single one of them, there was promise with it, which is, you know, it's nice. There's benefits to following God. There's benefits to obedience. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, but not in terms of you keep a legalistic tenant and then you earn a reward from God. It's in this way, it's, it's more about in this way of life, of faith toward him, benefits manifest along the way. And there's a relationship. He's showing you his favor. Are you with me? All right, I'll go back to my notes. But go, I would recommend do that. Go, go through Hebrews 11.1 1 and just look at all the different translations. Get in your Bible. All right, so now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony or a good reputation, back on verse 2. So what that means by the elders obtained a good testimony is uh, they, it, they, there's good stories about them. They got a good reputation of being obedient because of this. So then verse 3, and this is another one. By faith, we understand. Think about that. By faith, we understand. That's a principle. Well, I just don't understand, God. Well, you're not in faith then. Now, understanding doesn't mean you have all the information. Understanding might mean, oh, okay, I see how God influencing this situation could bring about a miracle. It's like so faith bringing understanding is when you're looking at an impossible situation, still thinking God can do something about this. If I continue to keep my faith toward him, not to earn as a reward, but as part of the relationship that I have with God, if I keep my heart open to him, if I, keep, if I continue to trust, if I continue to, and that's the warning in the previous chapter in Hebrews 10 to the, to the, Jewish Christians to not go back to Judaism and go down to the temple and keep offering sacrifices. You know where it says, you know, there remains no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain expectation of judgment. It's like that, that passage is used to scare the living daylights out of Christians that you might lose your salvation if you don't believe hard enough or whatever, you know. It's like, no, that's not what he's talking about. The warning there is don't forsake Jesus and go back to animal sacrifices because those people, it's not going to be so good for them. You know, so it's almost like the once saved, always thing. It's like once saved, always saved. I, I, don't, I don't know because there seems to be warning, don't quit believing in Jesus, which is just a matter of the heart. It's not about the obedience. Obedience comes, but it's about keep your faith in him. Now, again, I'm not trying to say a doctrine on that. I'm just saying 
don't back down, right? Stay faithful, stay in hope toward him. And so, but it's as simple as you keep believing in Jesus. I'm not saying that if you don't believe all the way through to fulfill this purpose that God has for you, that you're in risk of trampling the Son of God's salvation under your feet. And, you know, I'm not going that far. Are you with me? Did that even make sense? I didn't even have any coffee this morning, but I'm still going. So I had some green tea. I am forsaking coffee for a while. All right, so by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are clearly, so that the things which are seen are not made of the things which are visible. If you are praying and you're confused about how this situation can change, you're in carnal thinking. Faith-mindedness prays about a seemingly impossible situation and walks away from it thinking, I don't know how, but this can change. I don't know how, because it looks like everything is saying death, destruction, you know, it's over, whatever it might be. And that's where the promises come in, because you got to know what you have the legal right to believe for. But when everything is saying death, done, over, end of it, or insurpassable, or you'll always be broke, or you'll always be unhappy, or you'll never be married, or you'll never have kids, or you'll never this. When all that stuff is screaming in your face, you better choose faith. You better choose a lifestyle of faith and hope because this right here, by faith, we believe. God framed everything by his words. Everything that you see was made by something that you can't see. And that is still active in your life today. The things that you want to see God do in your life, it's which, are, which were seen, were not made by the things which are visible. The things that you want to see, the things that you want to see, whether they be promises or purpose, God is actively building that in the unseen, and you've got to stay in faith toward Him to walk that path to see it bring about, right? It's like you're one part of the seed and his spirit's the other part of the seed and it's got to be together to birth it into the life because it's already there. In the spirit, God has placed everything in you that you ever need from him because Christ is in you. Now get your heart and mind into harmony with him and live out that way. How does it work? I don't know. I mean, that's what Jesus says in Mark 4. It's like a farmer casts seed in the ground. He goes to sleep, wakes up, doesn't know how, but the seed produces after its own kind, which is another one of those kingdom laws that I really want to dig into, not, not to try to prosperity gospel it. I do believe God wants you prosperous, but not trying to work some seed thing, but to get in harmony in my heart with what God's trying to do in me, amen, and in my life. Promises and purpose. Um, faith is to believe, to be confident, to have conviction. I have a slide for this back there. Punch. There we go. Uh, usually I'm doing it. I'm putting them more to work back there. Anyway, believe, have confidence, a conviction. Faith is a conviction. I choose to believe no matter what. What? What is it that you choose to believe no matter what in each situation that you're wanting, that you're believing God for? Persuaded. And then substance is... <clears throat> A firm foundation, real being. So it's like faith is the real being of things hoped for. 
Uh, it's the quality or nature or the makeup, you know, the DNA of a thing, you could say. That which has actual existence. So faith is the substance. Faith is that which has actual existence of things hoped for. And so hope is joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. Eternal salvation, we know that word salvation is soteria. The word saved is sozo, and it has all these things associated with it. Healed, made whole, restored, kept safe, rescued, prospered, all that. So confidence is the DNA of what I'm expecting from God. Assurance is the makeup of the manifestation of what God has promised me and the purposes that he has for me. And it's your job to make sure your heart is persuaded of his character and nature. Because he's moving, he's acting, he's living, he's breathing, he's speaking, he's guiding, he's trying to bring favor about in your life. But are we assured, are we persuaded, are we, calm, are we actively engaging and reaching? Not from a performance perspective, but making sure we're in agreement with him. Are you with me? And the evidence, evidence is proof that which the thing is proved or tested. It's really pretty amazing. So I have a few statements here to just wrap this up. Just go to that first one there. Yeah. So there's always promises with God's purpose. Always promises with God's purpose. And, and I, the, where I get that statement from is when you go through and you read the rest of Hebrews 11 and you see all the people that he's citing and using them as examples of faith. There's promises associated with each one of them along the way, right? So you can believe for things. It's absolutely, I think it's healthy. You know, if, if we just have these drone mentality, obedience, robots of God, and there's no benefits along the way, there's always promises associated with it. And so, next one. Hope in what God wants to do through you. How many of you would love to wake up and put your hand to something that's meaningful every day, right? Like something that just gives you a sense of fulfillment. It's kingdom-related. You know, maybe not every day, but in general, you have something to put your hand. You have something to volunteer in. You have something to give to. You have something to pour yourself out into, this purposes of God that he has, you know, within your life, which incidentally, I don't think God created you to do a job he created you to be his child. So your purpose, like your purpose, the reason for your existence is to be a child of God. Once you acknowledge God as your father through Christ, the reason you exist is clear. From there, from that purpose, I'm child, God's child, then there are callings that are, or assignments or whatever that he calls you into. There's gifts to operate in. There's offices to sit in within the body or not, or none of that stuff. Maybe it's you're just in the business world or whatever, but you're still living out these things that God is wanting to do through you, right? And nobody can tell you what those things are. You can't, I don't think you can take a test. This is God's purpose for you. I just don't see it. So <clears throat> have confident expectation, go back to that one, have confident expectation in what God wants to do through you. And, and, and I, I, this, is a very, this is a source of disappointment for people. People feel like that God's spoken some things to them, they've gotten prophecies or 
Maybe you just have this thing on your heart and you just really want to do this thing, but it's like 20 years later, 30 years later, and it hadn't come to pass. Have confident expectation. We're talking about making sure. It's hard to have faith sometimes, is it not? Sometimes it's just easier just to throw it in neutral, live out the day, you know, go through the motions of life. You know your salvation is secure. You have some friends. You have a decent job. And it's like, okay, I, I want to stretch. I don't want to live there. I want to, I want to stretch into faith making me uncomfortable to believe. There's more that God wants to do through me. And, and, and it's not just about doing more. It's about I don't want to limit what God might want to do. Like God, when God wakes up tomorrow and he says, this is what I'd like to do through Stephen's life, I wouldn't want to limit that, right? So I want to, have, I want to keep my heart tuned to him. Next one. Hope in what God wants for you. You know, that's where healing, uh, children, all the stuff, the ink, all the things in life, right? You know, all the things, that, all the promises that are yes and amen through Christ, all the stuff that Jesus paid for, the happiness, the blessing, all of that stuff. Continue to have hope in that. And I'm, again, I'm throwing you a ton of stuff, but we're going to go through over the next weeks and really look into these things. So here's a question. What has God promised you? Do you know? Now, that's twofold because there's general promises that are related to what Jesus paid for for you to experience. But then there's personal things too. I, I think specifically you and God will go sit in your closet or wherever you commune with him and work out some things that he's spoken to you and promised to you. That's what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do, that he would speak to you and communicate with you. And if you don't have that, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Just pick out some general promises that you want to see happen. But we want to live this lifestyle of faith of expecting these things. Not being disappointed that they're not here. Not wondering what I did wrong for it not to be here. What did I do wrong for that to be here? Why isn't God this? If God would just do this, then this. I don't want to go there. That's all, that's all Newtonian faith. That's all we're trying to build blocks and put things together. I want to live in that quantum faith, the realm of unlimited potential and expectation where all things are possible. Even if I'm... There's no way in my mind and my heart that I can see that it can come to pass. I got some repenting to do. What purpose has God revealed to you? And, and I'm not asking you to just answer this question like this right now in this moment. But again, as this year starts, I want to think about these kind. I want you to think about these kind. What purpose has God revealed to me? What is it? You know, I'm his child, done. If I never do anything ever for him, ever, he's pleased with me because I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. However... There's a broken, hurting world out there that needs to hear from Jesus, and he can. there are some people that can uniquely hear about the truth about God from me. <clears throat> what are those purposes that he's revealed to you? And in, and in the home groups, let's talk about these kinds of things. And in the youth group, talk about these kinds of things. In the kids' church, talk about these kinds of things. In your home life, what are these purposes? What, what is it, God? And not, you know, so don't sit there and go, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Well, he didn't tell me, you know, it, it, it's, it's a collaborative effort. You're, get your heart involved, right? And then finally, how will you prioritize hope in God's promises and purposes for your life this year? How will you prioritize hope in God's promises and purposes? 
Do you put it on the calendar? What does it look like for you, you know? So I want to make these points, but I'm not going to try to break it down to say, okay, now you go do this. But if you had one thing that you're thinking about, all right, I'm going to go out of here, what is it? I want it to be clear to me the things that God wants to do through me this year. I want it to be clear to me the way that God would be leading me in this direction. I want to know that if Jesus and I sat down for tea, had a conversation, and he said, I'd like for you to do this, you at least have some sense of that direction. If you don't have all the details, that's fine because he'll be with you. But you at least have some sense of the direction. And then you make the commitment to faith that I'm going to stretch into this. I'm not just going to go through life. I'm going to stretch into this a little bit and believe and hope and have an expectation and prioritize hope in the purposes and promises. Amen? Are you with me? Sound good? And, and you know, I, I kind of want to have a dialogue going on. We, we have a Facebook group for the church. If you like, if you're not in that, um, make sure you get into that. If you're in it, let's have discussions around this. I'm going to, I plan on jumping in there and posting these kinds of things and having some ongoing dialogue. Let's talk about it. You know, I want to hear your revelations, your questions, and and, and let's, let's, you know, let's kind of journey through this thing together. If you're not on Facebook, good for you. <laughs> but find some way to engage with us. You know, make sure you're getting our emails because we'll put these things in there. And, and, and let's, uh, let's, let's continue to have hope and keep our hearts in faith toward him. Did you get something out of this? Amen. I know it's a lot. It won't be as much in the upcoming ones. But just put that Romans 10 up there if you would. If you're in the room today, the last passage is the very last one. If you're in the room today, you're not sure that your salvation is secure, or if you're watching online, I know this is probably mostly for online. This is one of the things that I hope for. I want to see this church used more for new salvations. You know, we're predominantly a believer's church, and and that's fine. I want to build you up, but I, I have a heart for the lost too, and I want to see that. You evangelists, rise up and let's go find them, your neighbors, whatever. Online, we reach a ton of people. We see it. But uh, it's, it's very simple. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. you believe that? Yes. Yeah. If there's anybody here that does not believe that, when we dismiss or you want to believe that for the first time, make your way up here. Bob, right here. Bob, if you would, let's, let's stand up, actually. Stand up on our stand up. and Bob's here to pray with you if you need anything. And let's go out of here just committing. I'm going to stay in faith. I'm going to have hope. And I'm going to, have, I'm going to work on having some kind of sense of what God is leading me to do. And you might be right in the middle of it. You might already be taking steps in that. And praise God. And don't make this a daunting thing. You know, it, it, I want it to be a, a discovery for us where it's enjoyable and satisfying for us to choose to follow God. And, and listen, you're going to make mistakes. Nobody's going to get it perfect. We all do. But he's with you and he'll lead you. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you so much for a brand new year. We give you glory and honor. We, we, we want to show the world just how good that you are. We want to live in the purposes that you have for us and we want to experience the promises that you have for us. So we choose to walk out of here today with the basic mindset, I will stay in faith towards you. And I will keep my heart open and my mind open to you to consider 
that you behind the scenes are building things into my life. What do I need to do to step in that direction, to experience in that heaven and earth meets in my life as I follow you and that, mad, that manifestation happens? I want to live that way. I don't, I don't need to know the details in this moment, but I'm committing to move that direction and live that lifestyle and keep my mind and heart open towards you. We love you and we trust you. We honor you. All glory to your name. Amen, 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 amen.